0: This is Shine On, the health and happiness show, with new episodes every week on how to live well. Shine On is heard all over the world as a podcast, but it's heard first on the radio in New York's Hudson Valley. Hi, it's Casey. Thank you so much for tuning in to Shine On, and thank you to the people who are finding this little show on in podcast form, and, and liking it. Like, I, I don't check often, because the technology is just beyond me sometimes. So I don't check often, but I checked the other day, and people are, like, liking the podcast on the different platforms. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That means so much to me. It's amazing. It's amazing. I appreciate it. And I appreciate our first guest. His name is DJ Vanis. What a guy. Let me tell you about him former officer in the U.S. Air Force. He's now a speaker all over the world, and he draws his inspiration from Native American philosophy and tradition. His book is called The Warrior Within, Own Your Power to Serve, Fight, Protect, and Heal. I'm going to say that again. Own your power to serve, fight, protect, and heal. That's your power. You already have it. DJ tells us you were born with it and you can cultivate it and make it stronger. Own your power to serve, fight, protect, and heal. Serve comes first, which you know, that got me all lit up but we'll talk about that in a minute. A true warrior is not the toughest or the bravest person in the room. A true warrior, says DJ Vannis V-A-N-A-S, is committed to self-mastery, knows how to navigate change and disruption, transforms setbacks into opportunities for achievement, refuses to quit, and most importantly, always fights for something bigger than the self. DJ Vannis, how did you come to find your warrior within?
1: I've been doing this for a long time, and I have been privileged to serve over 500 tribal nations in the last 25 years of my life. And everywhere I've gone, I've gotten another piece of the puzzle to how life could work, Maybe, maybe even on how life should work at some level in the crazy world we live in. But over and over again, these timeless warrior principles showed up. You know, this is, this is our, our heritage. This is, you know, these are principles that have been proven in the worst of times. But they're also beautiful because they speak to service. They speak to love Is you know, one of the fuel uh, sources for our warriors and our tribal communities. But it was all about having an impact and contributing to our tribe, developing ourselves so we can have a better impact with the people that we serve.
0: You are an enrolled member of the Ottawa Tribe of Michigan, and yes. former U.S. Air Force officer. Tell me, what is an enrolled member of the Ottawa Tribe of Michigan?
1: An, an identified tribal member, that you're part, you're part of the tribe. Uh, you, you, you meet the tribal enrollment requirements, and you are a member of the tribe.
0: And what are the requirements?
1: Uh, One-quarter blood quantum. Uh, And this is a big political hot topic and across Indian country, wondering, you know, people have uh, or tribes have different enrollment requirements. So it's not across the board the same uh, tribes get to set what that is but there's a you know a, a lot of conversation now about uh, changing enrollment requirements just because that was one of the policies that the federal government put on tribes for tribal enrollment We never had that um, but we have become the enforcers of that requirement and now tribes are starting to look at that differently
0: were you raised? In this heritage?
1: I was raised in the military, my family uh, back home in Michigan, I moved uh, went, shortly after I was born. Uh, my dad served our nation for 21 years as an enlisted man in the Air Force. and so I grew up on military bases all across the country. but I've always you know held my heritage precious. I always knew you know growing up who I was, where I came from. Uh, my grandma taught our traditional language back home in Michigan. Uh, all my relatives are still back there. I have uh, relatives on the tribal councils at times. And um, so that was always a connection. But being able to build this model, you know, that I, I share now with people has been kind of a, a, an amalgam over the years of these different principles that kept recurring and showing up. And by, and by the way, are, can be incredibly powerful in our own lives. You know, the, this warrior role that transcends race, gender, age, stage of life, it's, it's available for anybody willing to walk the path.
0: And it's really got me thinking, DJ. It's really got me thinking. The warrior within, are we born with it or do we cultivate it?
1: Both. Great question. Uh, I think you know, we all have a level of grit, determination, willingness to serve. We are social creatures by design. You know, I think that we, that's hardwired into us, is that you know, we are compelled to have an impact with people beyond ourselves. Uh, So I think we're born with that innately, but also it's developed through encounter, you know, dealing with, and and I talk about it in the book, the ways that we practice courage, the way that we show up on a daily basis, the way that we take care of ourselves, who we surround ourselves with, you know, the type of environment we build around ourselves. All those things can foster that warrior spirit in our own lives and be able to you know, help us fulfill that warrior role. It doesn't happen automatically, but when we get this right and we get it in alignment, this is when we really are able to unleash you know, who we are and what we can do in this world in a positive way.
0: Wow, wow, wow. Uh, the warrior role, the three reasons why service is so powerful, tell us about that.
1: Yes, yes. Ed, service is the, the beating heart of that warrior role. Um, you know, my, my people we call a warrior ogichida, and that term has nothing to do with what you see on TV or in movies. It's not that stereotypical Hollywood role. It was somebody who dedicated their lives to serving other people well, somebody who fought, you know, for something bigger than their own personal welfare. And the reason why service was at the heart of that was for three reasons. Number one, service is our highest calling. You know, if we are not put here to serve, why are we here at all? You know, that's a really important question to answer. Um, Number two, service is our deepest need. You know, we all have a need in this world. You have it, I have it, my kids have it, your kids have it, our people that we work with have it. And it's that need to feel valued, uh, that we matter uh, at some level, that we are, you know, that we are important, that that we have value. And we can get some of that need fulfilled when we serve somebody else well. I mean, that's like the ultimate game of connect the dots. Uh, So it's our deepest need. And the third reason why service is the heart of that warrior role is because it's our legacy. It's what we leave behind us in the end. You know, we are not, we were gonna come to a point where we draw our last breath. How we will be remembered is gonna be based on who we impacted, who we served, those lives that we touched, those little interactions that might not have been so little to the person we had it with that left a mark on somebody's spirit. Um, All the tribes that I've worked with over the years, over 500 tribal nations, when those communities lose an elder, they have a memorial and a feast to celebrate that elder's life. And they always reflect on who that person impacted, those moments where they shared wisdom, humor, some guidance, some encouragement, where they served as a shoulder to cry on or a hand to hold to somebody who needed it the most. That's the thing that outlives us.
0: Oh, man. You got me crying, DJ Venice. You got me crying. The Warrior Within (laughs) is the book. I swear I have tears in my eyes. Um, You're good, you're good, you're good. And this is just so, um, you know why it's so needed right now? I mean, we can each make a list of things that have happened in the last handful of years, like terrible, horrible things that we've all witnessed and lived through. You know, people say we're all in the same storm, not necessarily in the same boat, but we're all in the same storm. Uh, Turning this around to find the warrior within feels like, to me right now, a life raft. It really does. It feels like yes. this is going to help people just navigate daily life, which has become uh, so overwhelming. What else do you want us to know? I know you touched on a little bit of the uh, the Native American, how it's how it's perceived in uh, uh, media and and mm-hmm. what it really is. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about that?
1: Yeah, in, in, in big media, you know, our, our warriors traditionally were only looked at through the lens of their fighting skills. But what I wanted to do in this book was unpack all the different principles and ideas that made our warriors special. I mean, they dealt with fear, they dealt with pain, they were outmatched, they, as far as numbers go, they were outmatched technologically, uh, they were lied to at every turn, and they were always in some state of deprivation because of the dynamics that were happening all around tribal communities um, during the, you know, as, as people move further and further west. So it made those ideas to me really special, and that's what I wanted to share in the book is these principles that go beyond just the, the weaponry that was used, but what was in their heart, what was in their spirit, what type of mindset did they have, what type of focus did they maintain even in the midst of chaos. And that's what I wanted to unpack during the book, because like you said, the last couple of years have been hard for everybody. You know, and this warrior role is is also about benevolence. It's it's impacting somebody else in a positive way. It's not that, you know, uh, toxic uh, masculinity model of that warrior role. It, it's uh, And it's not about domination, and it's not about leadership by being the loudest voice in the room. It's somebody who dedicated their lives to impacting somebody else in a positive way, and we need warriors in this world. Uh, we need people that are willing to step up and get out of their own pride and ego and say, how can I be of service in this moment to somebody else?
0: The word you used, ogichida, what was that word?
1: Ogichida. That means warrior in our language.
0: Okay. Very good. Uh, You know, it makes me think uh, it just makes me think, what if, as part of our daily life, you know, everybody well, like, went to work or went to school or did your hobbies or whatever, and then did your service? Like, oh, and now I'm going to do my service. Like, the world would be forever changed if even, like, just a small percentage of people put more service into their life, Right.
1: Exactly. And and weave it through. It doesn't have to, you know, be compartmentalized where you do one thing and then you now switch gears. We can interweave it into everything that we do. The conversations we have, the work that we do, you know, that I mean, even moments where you have a phone call with somebody is is not just, you know, having our, our, our own, you know, kind of issues aired, but also asking our, the people that we're talking with, you know, how are you doing? Right. What what is there anything I can do for you? You know, just it doesn't take much time. Uh, but it can have a huge impact on somebody else's life. You know, we always look at the, the moments that other people did it for us, and we know how it feels. Mm. Imagine being able to do that on a consistent basis for other people.
0: Yeah. What are the six stays?
1: The six stays are how to navigate change, uh, which is something that's universal. We, you know, we, we deal with it from the moment we draw our first breath to the moment we draw our last, and we, we tend to struggle with it because it pushes us out of our comfort zone. And the six days in the book are strategies on how to navigate change effectively. So we talk about things like staying calm, uh, staying philosophical, staying grounded, uh, you know, staying flexible, staying focused, you know, don't, and staying connected. You know, th- those are the things that, it, especially when we're dealing with change, we can have a strategy that helps us navigate through, or we can just jump into it and start kicking up dust and keep our fingers crossed. That's one strategy. I don't recommend it. That's why I laid out the six days in the book to help people deal with that effectively.
0: All right. I have got to let you go, but this has been so wonderful. Is there anything else our listeners need to know before you leave us?
1: Just I, I hope that they enjoy The Warrior Within. Uh, it's uh, something I poured my heart into, and the whole goal of the book was to help people not only feel more confident in who they are and what they can do, but to create and share an, you know, a plan on how they can do it consistently and for the long term.
0: You're the best. Where do we find you? On social media?
1: On social media. I'm on uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram now. And uh, my website is nativediscovery.com. That's the best way to get connected.
0: Nativediscovery.com. DJ Vanis, the warrior within, own your power to serve, fight, protect, and heal. And I love what he said about making service part of every conversation. And how can I help you? And what do you need? And even if you can't provide more than a listening ear, you are of service. You are helping to heal someone and charging your own battery at the same time. Did I tell you my sister had to jumpstart me at the market last week? No, of course. I didn't have time. This is our first time together since then. I brought a big broom to the market to sweep away our path because, you know, the geese tend to congregate there when we're not there so I'm sweeping the path in the morning before the market and then I put the broom in the car and the way I put the broom the big broom in a small car it turned on my interior light so then after the market I went to drive away and my car wouldn't start so my sister had jumper cables and I said now what do I do she says just let the engine run the battery charges while it's running well I just thought about that the whole drive home like, that's amazing. No, I don't have any idea how car batteries work. None. I never thought about it before. That's what service does for me. While I'm serving, or thinking about serving, or planning to serve, or trying to connect some dots to make things work easily and efficiently, my battery is recharging. You do something good and you can't, can't help but get that splashed up all over you. I read a flowery quote once, the scent of the blossom lingers on the hand that gives the rose that's a little pungent but you can't give without getting more back <sighs> how's that for a tangent the warrior within dj vanis now our next guest also fired me up Chantel pratt Chantel Pratt, PhD, wrote the book The Neuroscience of You, and it has these little quizzes in there so you can get to know your own brain. Wouldn't it be nice if one day we got to know our own brains the way we get like a blood lab from the doctor? Everybody's brain is different. We talk about that all the time. Everybody's brain is different. Some brains lean towards math, some lean towards language. You've seen the memes on Facebook. We see colors differently we interpret things differently. Chantelle actually dedicates the book to a woman who gave her a really hard time once. But now, Chantelle, you know, it's just that her brain is different from yours
2: correct. And I think she was doing the best she could with the uh, environment that her brain had adapted to.
0: One thing that uh, surprised me, many, many things surprised me. And one is uh, your research has shown that we used to think we knew the brain, like where language was kept and things like that. But your research found things differently. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, I think a lot of what we knew about the brain
2: based on the traditional paradigms was limited to the things that we all have in common. And and it's not to say that we don't have things in common. Most of us see in the back of our head and hear things through our temporal lobes and smell and, you know, so forth. But at the same time, like, I think it's very important to understand the spaces in which we differ. Like, how do we interpret the behaviors or the words that we consume differently? And I, I think we all understand intuitively that not everyone works the same, but the science wasn't focused on those differences. It was focused on characterizing people on average.
0: Gotcha. You know, I read um, that friends are more likely to have brains that respond in a similar fashion. And that's why it is such a thrill and a treat. And it's like you can put down all of your worries when you're with somebody whose brain works like yours. You don't have to work so hard at explaining yourself, right? That's exactly right. And, And, you know,
2: relationships strengthen when people feel heard and seen. And, you know, it's just so much easier when you are coming from a similar perspective to interpret the things that you can observe and figure out what's going on under the hood of your friend or the person you're trying to connect
0: with. Right. So you say with two simple tests, we can estimate the dominant tempo of our neural rhythms. What kind of tempos are we choosing from here? Well, most brains
2: oscillate, have a preferred frequency for communication that ranges between seven and a half hertz or times per second to maybe 13 on the higher end they're you know, individual differences. And this rhythm changes throughout our lifespan. Um, and it basically affects the rate at which we take in new packets of information that we're aware of. Oh, man, this
0: explains my marriage mine too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, my husband will say to me, you need to stop talking so I can process that. Like, he just doesn't fly mm-hmm. like the way I fly. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. the tempo of our, of the, of the, uh, Say it again. At Seventeen and a half to thirteen hertz explains what? Seven and a half. About seven and a half to thirteen
2: hertz. That's your brain's predominant communication frequency. That doesn't mean our brains communicate at less than one cycle per second to over over a hundred, up to two hundred cycles per second. But every brain has a preferred frequency to kind of idle at. This is the inner world frequency. That's called our alpha rhythm. And it ranges from about seven to seven and a half
0: times per second to up to twice that our alpha rhythm. Oh, I like that. I wonder what my alpha rhythm <laughs> is. Um, and this yeah. whole thing about being left brain, right brain, is that really a thing? Nope. I mean, it's, it's one of
2: the um, best ways people have to sort of articulate how we work differently. And it's true that the left and right sides of most people's hemispheres are processing information differently. The reason we have essentially two brains inside of one that are largely independent and just sharing information post-processing is that they each side of your brain sees the world in a slightly different way. But the way that we're different is not so much that the left or the right brain is driving us. It's really about how similar or how different are the answers that those two hemispheres come up with and how do they cooperate or compete to kind of drive your behavior. And it's wild when you look at somebody who's had the brain severed uh, down the middle. In the beginning, their left and right hands will kind of compete for behaving. Like, I'm trying to pick out this dress and this pair of pants. and when they get disconnected, you can feel that competition for driving their behavior.
0: You know people whose brains have been severed?
2: Yes, it's still something that they do once in a while to control intractable epilepsy.
0: Wow, and then the two
2: sides compete.
0: At first,
2: they do. They, the, the people that, who have had this operation tend to identify with what the left hemisphere wants, which is also really wild to me. And it tells you something about consciousness and storytelling and the way we interpret our own actions. When you split the hemispheres in two, the left hemisphere we can talk to will tell us, like, I'm doing this because blank but it'll also explain away what the right hemisphere is doing, even though it doesn't have any access to the why. And I think this is really interesting because in a behaving, in a connected brain, we're still not aware of a lot of what drives our behavior. A lot of our behavior is implicit, but we still have that storytelling part of our brain, the personal narrative, that's constantly coming up with a story that connects the events in your life, like I did this because blank, even though it doesn't have access to all the reasons you really did what you did.
0: The Neuroscience of You, Chantel Pratt, PhD, our guest today. The book is fascinating. Did it leave you, your research, did it leave you with any sense of the spiritual, or this is strictly science? I think it touches on belief. um,
2: And I think it, you know, I don't think there's any such thing as strictly science. I think you have to be aware of what you know and what you don't know. And, And when I talk about exploring and curiosity, I talk about the circumstances in which we're willing to accept new pieces of information and when we reject them and i think belief comes into that that piece quite a bit. Hmm.
0: Well, yeah, i did read about that part where it says it's it's basically really hard for us to change our minds, right? On certain things, right? Like it's
2: not hard for us to understand that people who see the dress as white and gold are not, you know, terrible people. And if we explain that people who see the dress as white and gold think it's in a shadow, we don't feel resistant to kind of updating that mental information. Or if you see the dress as white and gold and I tell you it's actually black and blue, you don't feel like I'm lying or that this is, you know, Mm -hmm. fake news. But as it gets closer to something that's really important for your belief system, we can actually feel threat and our brains can respond in the same way it would if you took a step in a new neighborhood or a new piece of the forest, if you think there's something dangerous out there, it will push you in the opposite direction.
0: Yeah, we had a guest on recently who said that our brains would rather belong to its, the group of its beliefs than be wrong. Mm-hmm. We're social,
2: so that's yeah. important to our identity.
0: Uh, let's talk about marijuana because everybody's smoking it. Not me, <laughs> I'm the only one that's not. Uh, but caffeine and marijuana, how does that affect the brain? You know, there has been a huge
2: amount of research on marijuana over the past, you know, three to five years since it's been legalized that I'm not 100% up to date on. What I will tell you is that its effects on the brain are more complicated than we originally thought. And it's quite interesting because there are a lot of more controlled substances like cocaine or heroin that we know more about (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Than this one that everybody's doing. Um, one thing that I can tell you that I think is really cool is that new research on the runner's high or what makes exercise pleasant suggests that that actually works on the cannabinoid receptors, the receptors in the brain that respond to the thc in marijuana we used to think it was all about endorphins but actually the first or one of the primary mechanisms by which we feel good after exercise is quite literally the same with which we get high from marijuana so the runner's high
0: is a real appropriate term for that right tell me do i have to give up caffeine or not just tell me i'll do whatever you say Oh, my gosh. If I told you yes, I would be the biggest
2: hypocrite in the world because (laughs) I I am not about to give it up. Some of us need it more than others. I think the research out there is really mixed. There's a lot of research that suggests that at moderate levels, caffeine can have a protective effect on your brain. So I'm not going to be the one to tell you to give up coffee.
0: All right, Chantel Pratt, the neuroscience of you. My brain does okay with its morning coffee. Hey, see you next week at the Shine On Retreat at Merriandale in Ossining. Sign up. We're going to have a nice big group. And Sundays in September and October at the Market on the River, we are initiating my latest project called Healers on the Hudson, Reiki on the River. There'll be a section of the park each week for practitioners to come and share their modality. Get in touch with me at casesplace.com for more. Have a great week. Our thought for the day comes from Maya Angelo, who said, if you're always trying to be normal, you will never know how amazing you can be. Shine on. You've been listening to Shine On, the health and happiness show, with new episodes every week. It's your time to shine on.